Before we jump into today's topic, a quick disclaimer. The stories and data we share come from the states that we practice in and the experiences that we personally had, which can differ greatly across our country and certainly the globe. This is not a professional advice show. So let's get comfy and talk about death. Welcome to Mort Mike, a down-to-earth discussion on death and dying. I'm Jem. And I'm Red, and we are your authorities on the afterlife this week. Now, I'm sure we've all had this experience as death professionals. Your significant other invites you home to family holiday dinner for the first time ever. You know exactly what you are about to endure. And no, not just the normal prodding life story questions. As you're all sitting around the dinner table, Aunt May has finally had enough glasses of wine to ask you the question. And that's the good wine, too. (laughs) Exactly. So, what do you do for a living? Oh, uh, you know, I just work at a hospital. Oh, wow. A doctor? No, actually, I work in the morgue. She gasped, clutching her chest. My word. Yeah, I um, work for the medical examiner. I investigate deaths and assist with autopsies. She's fanning herself now, about to faint. The rest of the family sits aghast in silence. I just, I just couldn't, I could never. After a couple more minutes of trying to explain your job using the nicest, cushiest, most death-positive words ever, Aunt May shakes her head. I just don't know how you'll deal with that every day. It must be so sad. On the other hand, I also, uh, (laughs) my aunt took it the absolute opposite way, where she was just like, oh my gosh, you're like Abby from NCIS, and now every time (laughs) she sees me, that she always calls me Abby, so you're you're getting both sides of things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I do have those people too, occasionally, especially it's a little jarring when it's like a little old grandma that's like, wow, that's so fascinating. But um, I think we've all had this experience as death professionals. Um, Death is not really something that people want to talk about believe it or not oh absolutely not no my one aunt's at the table trying to ask me oh how, how do you do this how do you do that and then my grandparents are just staring at her like oh my god please burn your death <laughs> we don't want to hear about this oh, yeah, absolutely <laughs> when yeah definitely when i went to my partner's uh, house for the first time for a family meal that was like the exact situation that happened and i was like oh god get me out of here <laughs> right oh uh, i'm gonna go take the trash out or yeah. i left my house on fire i gotta go <laughs> Yeah. So as death professionals, we are exposed to death every day. And as you can um, understand, that leads us to think about death every single day of our lives. And that's not something that people are really accustomed to or people really want to think about every day. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, And there's a lot of reasons that people are adverse to either talking about death or dealing with it. And also just some people are just scared, scared of death. Is it going to hurt? Is my death going to be dignified? Did I get to do everything that I wanted to do before my final days? But what about those people that see death on the daily? This really is the question, isn't it? Have those in death care stared into the void and had it stared back and they're totally cool with it? Or what else? So if we're being honest here, I do have a tendency to think of every possible scenario to every single situation I'm in. That's just the kind of person I am. 
Um, and I'm also 100% sure that I've either seen or thought about death every single day for the past seven years that I've been a practicing death professional. That's a lot of thinking about death. Obviously, there's going to be some hand-in-hand going on there with my uh, tendency to overanalyze everything and also my tendency to think about death all the time. Um, I think the most common way I experience my daily dose of death awareness is being hyper-aware of any possible way that I could die at any moment. And I'm I'm really not kidding, to be honest. <laughs> that goes to driving a car. I mean, I'm not terrified to drive a car. I drive a car every day. But always in the back of the, my mind, I, you know, I know that at any moment, some person could careen into me and that could be it. Also for strangers, whenever I see some strangers doing some shoddy looking things, I the first thing I think about is uh, if they're going to die or not. For example, my biggest, biggest pet peeve is motorcyclists. Oh my gosh. I love you guys. I bet you feel so cool and it's so fun. But that's literally a a death waiting to happen. Every time I see a motorcyclist jet by, you know, not wearing a helmet, I'm just like internally screaming, oh, my God, you're going to die. You're going to (laughs) die. In all fairness, though, a lot of organ donations come from motorcycle accidents. So, I mean, eh. (laughs) I mean, that's a that's a little bit of a morality discussion for another time. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, you know, I bet, I mean, I don't know, because I'm not a normal person, but I bet normal people don't usually, you know, go around looking at motorcyclists screaming in their head that they're going to die. Um, Another big one for me is like, you know, kids running around unsupervised, especially in the parking lot. I actually have a reoccurring nightmare that I uh, back over a child in a parking structure is terrible, just awful. I would never, ever, I don't know what I would do if that happened, but that's, you know, that's something that I think about often. Um, I think you're you're definitely not alone uh, in yeah. that because I, especially driving, especially around driving, I get the same thing. Like when I pull into my neighborhood, I'm like, today's the day I accidentally hit a small child. Like, <laughs> I'm super hypervigilant of children for that reason. Exactly. So as you can see, we are more susceptible to thinking about death in everyday situations. But I think even for myself, even before I started in the death industry, um, I was pretty in tune with death. And maybe that's why I am in the death industry after all. But I had never been to a funeral before I went to mortuary science school. Before I started interning at a funeral home, I'd never been to a funeral. I'd never seen a dead body. But even as a child, I think death was just something that I thought about, um, maybe more often than the normal kid. I actually have an extremely vivid childhood memory dealing with death. And in retrospect, I just have to say I feel so bad for my parents uh, (laughs) dealing with this. So I had to be about five years old. And it was night. I was in my bed in my room. And I remember I couldn't sleep. There must have been like a particularly scary like sermon from church or maybe I had seen something on TV. But I remember for the life of me, I could not stop thinking about death. I was just I remember so vividly laying in bed, my covers like pulled up to my chin. And I'm thinking about one day my parents are going to die. One day my little brother is going to die. One day I'm going to die. So there I was, a five-year-old little gem under the covers, just sobbing my eyes out (laughs) silently to myself in the dark, thinking about how it's, you know, it's all just going to, life is going to stop. And it's 
that's terif- That's a terrifying thought when you're a child, you know, not having really thought about something like this before and not having encountered death. You know, we don't know what happens when you die. We don't know how it feels to die. Um, so at this point, I'm like freaking out, like having a full-blown panic attack. <laughs> so I remember getting out of bed and like shuffling over to my parents' room in like the middle of the night. It's like pitch black in the house. And I creak open the door. Tears are like streaming down my face and I can hardly breathe anymore and of course my parents are like woken up from a dead sleep and they're you know they're freaking out like oh my god what's wrong what's wrong you know I didn't cry a lot as a child so this was very strange and they were you know you know did you have a bad dream are you hurt and I'm just sobbing and I managed to get out the words I don't want to Die, <laughs> <laughs> And I feel in this moment, thinking back on it, I feel so bad for my parents because that was probably the creepiest like situation I've ever put them in as a child. Oh, yeah. B, B horror movie level. <laughs> 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 and, you know, obviously they did the whole parent thing like, oh, yeah, like everyone dies, but it's not going to be for a long time. Like you're everyone's going to live to be very old and happy, like that kind of thing. So they, you know, they handled the situation as best as they could. But like, I think, you know, even for me as a kid, like I don't. It's so interesting. Like, I always wonder what that moment was that you, you know, you kind of realized that death was a thing and that, you know, one day everyone is going to die. Yeah, that's really interesting that you kind of have somewhat of a, like, origin story for that. Because, you know, I was racking my brain getting ready for this episode. And I really, I was like, okay, what was the moment that I, you know, was introduced to death that I was like, I know what death is now. Like, not even just like being around death and not comprehending it. Like, most children can't really comprehend death in fullness. And, you know, like, the first funeral I ever attended, it was just in, like, elementary school days. It was for my uncle. And I really don't recall, like, understanding what was going on. Like, it it was just, like, me and my cousin ended up running around and we were playing just to keep busy because all the adults were, like, being boring or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, the same happened with, like, going to my great-grandma's hospital room and seeing her in bed and, like, my whole family's there. We're all gathered around and I'm not really understanding why everyone was there i was just too young to make those connections that like somebody has died so i i really was trying to place i'm like so what what was my moment and really all i can think of is just my being raised on the internet so um Mm -hmm. the rest of my exposure uh before funeral service like getting into funeral service in college was just being raised on uh, troubling internet websites like 4chan. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I, yep. And you know, that's such like a weird way to bring death into someone's life. But like, as our generation was really the first generation that was super just like exposed to the vast, crazy, wild world of the internet. And I think that affected us in more ways than we could possibly imagine. Oh my God, yeah. Uh, I, uh, you know, being raised on like all these horrific videos and pictures, like I was pretty desensitized to death way before mortuary science college, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was really easy back then to get get that kind of stuff which like now as an adult i'm like holy crap like what are the kids doing these days <laughs> but um i yeah i mean i i was a goody goody so i wasn't part of the culture but i can definitely remember friends like discussing things like that and you know showing each other videos and i can see how that's like a weird kind of back doorway into you know getting a realization about death as a child yeah absolutely 
Um, except, <laughs> you know, seeing everything as like, oh, wow, tragic deaths, traumatic murders. And, and it just was uh, definitely not the nice, soft way I was hoping to have gotten the introduction to death, I suppose. But mm, yeah. we all got to start somewhere, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even in, you know, we're recording this episode. It's the summer of 2020. So if you are alive now, you know exactly what's going on in the world. And I think it's crazy the amount of death and general morbid topics are in the news these days, just like blasted on your social media timeline or like, you know, wherever you look on Google. And I think that it's it's going to change the generation um, beneath us, I think, and their exposure to death and how they deal with that kind of stuff. Oh, absolutely. Gen Z is in for it because, I mean, every I think every generation is built by the traumas that happen, like nation and worldwide traumas. I mean, we had um, 9-11, 9/11 yeah. yeah, Hurricane Katrina, like all these different things definitely help to shape, you know, your little little tiny brain when you're growing up. Like, and maybe you didn't have a concept, but all of a sudden now everything on the news is talking about this. All of your parents are talking about this. So you get introduced in a very odd way. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And then, you know, as death professionals, I think death changes you in a way where it makes you... It's just in your everyday life. And when death is staring at you every single day and you're, you know, pretty much buddies, like it changes you and it it, it makes you feel a little bit different about how you live your life and how you sort of approach certain things. Um, so actually, when I was in mortuary science school, I was living in New York City and during that time, I was also dealing with a lot of personal things. Um, I've had issues with uh, depression my whole life, um, but I was also at that time coming to terms with my gender identity and my sexuality. And, you know, on top of that, living in this giant, huge city that I've never lived in before, I came from the country. So I was really just kind of in a very, very bad place. And I want to throw in a warning here. I'm actually going to be talking about suicide and suicidal ideation for the next couple minutes. Um, so if you want to click forward, if you don't have the mental space to listen to that right now, or if that's triggering for you, please feel free to click forward to the 19 minute mark. But I am going to be talking about that time in my life where I was actually extremely suicidal. And I actually really don't talk about this a lot. I haven't talked to anyone about it really except like my therapist but you know back then so i was living in nyc dealing with gender identity sexuality family issues back then things were happening for the lgbt community but if you think about it marriage equality was ruled constitutional in 2015 and that's the very year that i was in mortuary science school um, so long story short it was definitely one of the most suicidal times in my life and as an active student of the death and dying, I was thinking about death every day. And I guess I never really, until this episode, I never really thought about how that affected my time thinking about suicide. Um, I remember vividly, though, standing in the middle of the subway platform. I used to ride the train um, an hour to school every day. I lived in Brooklyn. My school is in Manhattan. I rode the train an hour to and from every day. Suddenly, this thought popped into my head to jump in front of the train, and I, I knew that was how I would end it. 
I didn't even have to think about it. My brain was just like, this is it. This is how you're going to do it. It's right here. You can do it right now. And it's that's it. Like you have to make this decision right now. But that one thought was so terrifying and so real. I knew exactly what was going to happen to my body if I did it. You know, we we learned about these traumatic kinds of deaths in school. Like I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew the exact repercussions. I my body wanted to die and I was terrified of that thought. I I it's hard to explain in such in words, you know, in spoken word. I wanted to die. I was also so, so, so afraid. I didn't, I didn't want to do it. But that thought just kept replaying in my mind. So during that time, it was, it had to be a couple months, but I would get on the train platform and just think like, just think like jump, 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 jump in front of the train. You can do it. That's how you would do it. If you wanted to die, that's how you could do it. And I was like sure that I was going to do it one day. Um, I don't really want to, you know, get into the whole big thing, but thankfully I decided to uh, reach out and get some help. I started to see a gender therapist and learning how to accept myself as a person and find the support that I needed. But it, I think it really, that sort of mindset and the way that my body was kind of like going against my just primal fear of death. I like when I get on a train platform, my palms still get sweaty. Like I can't stand near the edge or else like I get freaked out. Like I'm not going to throw myself over the edge now, but like I just, I still, it just traumatized me. And I think that knowing like the, the details of death and knowing exactly what was going to happen, I think that that made it so real for me. And I don't know if that counts as a near death experience, but I think what I knew about death at that time really kind of put suicide into words that I've never heard before, to be honest. Yeah, it's really fascinating that you brought up like the the conscious versus subconscious, like fighting against like yourself essentially to like want to die and but also being terrified of it. Like I feel like I mean a lot of people have very similar experiences. Like I I personally um have gone through a lot of intrusive thoughts like coming back to vehicles vehicles being very <laughs> dangerous mm-hmm. to our health yeah um the constantly being on the highway just being like i could just you know turn off this cliff i could just pull right into this other car and then i wouldn't have to deal with all the things i'm dealing with so yeah that was really brave of you to bring that up jim thanks for sharing that thank you yeah you know i think like you said i think a lot of people have had these thoughts and I think it's important to bring it to light you know even as a death professional even though I'm exposed to death every day like I'm still a person like we're still human like we still got to deal with this stuff too you know what I mean but yeah I think like you said with the vehicles like you know turning off the highway it's so easy it is easy and I think a lot of people have that thought but there is something you know that keeps us from doing that and I think that's like thinking about death in that way is a very interesting thing to me. Absolutely. I I too actually had myself a near-death experience. Before I go then to that, I just want to kind of touch on like my mental, current mental state. I think a huge turning point on my journey into like death and understanding it and what it means for me was that I had like an ego death and rebirth in college through okay. me- means that I 
can't say on the podcast, (laughs) (laughs) but that had really propelled me towards a lack in belief in an afterlife and Mm -hmm. pushed me towards actually being okay with my death and my like current life that I'm living. So I personally do not believe in an afterlife for myself. I just see the time that I have here as the time that I have. Yeah, and we don't want to get into religion on this podcast, really. That's not what we're about. Um, We don't really want to say that there is a right or a wrong. You know, it's all beliefs that people have, and everyone's entitled to their own belief, including Red. Thank you. And yeah, that is super (laughs) true. Um, I mean, obviously, me believing what I believe, I still serve families daily that have beliefs that are different than mine. And I think it's just as important for people to be comfortable in their religion or lack thereof and something that makes them feel comfortable and and feel at one with their spiritual sides. So Mm -hmm. uh, just as a a kind of a plug for that. But (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So on to my near death experience. It was super late and I had just put a load of laundry in the dryer and my boyfriend was packing up and getting ready to leave and drive back to his house two and a half hours away. Um, And he actually had left late that day. Um, He would have normally left like a few hours before he did. And I was super lucky that he was there. Um, He noticed that there was like a strange buildup of moisture inside the house. And like there was like a bunch of moisture on the windows. And I was acting a little stranger than I normally am. Um, (laughs) And I just remember being like super, super sleepy during this time. Like I didn't really know what was going on. I kept trying to go to sleep, like conking out with the lights on. And fortunately for me, um, my boyfriend checked the dryer and the exhaust vent had fallen off the back of it. And uh, my apartment had started to fill with carbon monoxide. So he flew open all the windows and got me outside into like the fresh air into it was like cold winter air too. I remember that woke me up a little bit. But if he would have left early, I would have gone to sleep and like never woke up. Um, Oh my gosh. And after the fog cleared from my brain that night, like I wasn't really scared or upset that it I, I could have died that night I was just kind of like hmm okay like about it which is a little odd to think about now but like I didn't feel like any particular way about my possible imminent death I was just like right. I got peace with it like I was okay and was that you were a death professional at this time you were a funeral director correct yes this was just okay. a few years ago so I had been a funeral director probably for like three or four years at that point actually probably four years so yeah Mm. yeah you know it's yeah thinking about death every day it does like change you know not saying that i don't know you just would have never known like if you died that night you would have never known and that's crazy right exactly and i think it kind of leads into like all these factors all these things that lead me to feel how I do about my mortality today. I very much so like live in the moment. I live for myself. I live for my friends and my family. And also to just leave the world a little less stinky than it was before I came into it. <laughs> so I, I feel like I found my purpose uh, early in life and I can like acknowledge my limitations and I became super okay with me or whatever other hippy dippy mantra you want to say. Yeah. But it was it was like a nice content feeling though that to know that if I were struck out of nowhere by lightning, I and die after that, I would be happy with what I've accomplished and what I've experienced and who I am at this point. So like yeah. living living without regret has been very freeing in many ways. But who knows, maybe sitting on my deathbed I might feel differently. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. And I have to agree with you. Like, that's what I tend to tell people who may ask me, like, you know, how do you deal with mortality? Like, how do you feel about your own mortality? I think that working as a death professional has just made me hyper aware of like the pressure. I don't want to sound so sappy, but like the preciousness of life, like really at any second, like today I could go to bed and get carbon monoxide poisoning and not wake up. And I, you know, it's hard to think about that kind of stuff. But in the end, like, I'm okay with that. Because as I live with death every day, like Red, I think I choose to live with no regrets or, you know, as many no regrets as possible. Like, we're all human. <laughs> right. Um, But I, you know being exposed to this stuff on the daily like in my job now i do i work with suicides a lot and it's tough but i think seeing that kind of humbles me in a way i want to say if that's the right word yeah i mean essentially going having gone through a similar situation yourself and basically facing that at work too i mean like that's that's crazy to think about like you have to be mm -hmm. pretty okay with what you've been through to then go and help other families with what they're going through i mean yeah yeah absolutely. so i'm thankful i'm absolutely thankful for being a death professional i think it's definitely changed my life in a very 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 positive way i i'm i feel great i'm happy um i live every day like it's my last pretty much as much as i can and i i can't speak for all funeral directors and death professionals but i think that we're sort of privy to that. And I would love it if everyone else could experience that, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. It's like, it's like taking this huge weight off your shoulders, because regardless of whether you believe in an afterlife or what your religion is, we can all still be happy to be here while we're here. Even if there's some people that have something else to look forward to at the end, or some people that just want, you know, that to be it, that to be their final goodbye. I think it's good to live in the moment. But to go back to what you said um, about death care professionals in general, um, strangely enough, you know, I actually had a mentor. My, you know, just had started my uh, apprenticeship and my mentor, I was just shooting the shooting the bull with her one day. And I was like, so, yeah, yeah. Like, what do you want for your funeral? Like, what do you want to have done with you? And she was like, no. Uh, I don't want to talk about that. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. And she's like, I'm never going to die. So ha, ha, ha. Oh. I was like, oh, honey. <laughs> oh, that is that is very rare. I feel like I've never met anyone like that in the death world. But who knows? She, yeah, she's actually not in the death care industry anymore. So uh, oh, okay. well, <laughs> there might you know, be some uh, correlation. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, you know, you could either you know, embrace death and live your life to the fullest every day, or you can just not even think about it. You know, it's up to you. And that's all for this week on Mort Mike. We'd love to connect with you guys on our socials. So like, follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube at Mort Mike Podcast. That's M-O-R-T-M-I-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. It would mean a lot to hear your feedback, so please tell us what you think in the comments. Maybe you have a near-death experience you'd like to tell us about, or what's your hot take on mortality? And drop us a rating on whatever podcast hosting site that you use. If you have any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear or any burning questions you might have about death, please shoot us an email at mortmikepodcast at gmail.com. I also want to give a huge thank you to our friend Marson for the use of his song titled Deputies of Death, which he produced just for our show. You can check out his bandcamp at Marson, that's M-A-R-S-O-N, music.bandcamp.com. Thanks, Marson. And be sure to tune in every other week on Thursdays for more casual discussions on death. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Mort Mike. Bye. Bye. Bye.